podcast one production. G'day, I'm Tim Harcourt and welcome to the Airport Economist. In this series, I'll take you to the key markets of the world where you can do business and do it well. I'll guide you through the economics, politics and social history of each place and talk to an expert about the tricks and traps of doing business in each particular market. But first, strap yourself in because in this episode, we're off to Israel. I was once asked to speak to the Australian-Israel Chamber of Commerce and the topic they gave me was what Israel means to me. Well, they got a shock. My answer was, if it wasn't for Israel, I wouldn't exist. Well, let me explain. My great-grandfather's name was Israel Markovitz. He immigrated to Australia from Romania, Transylvania to be exact, in the 19th century. I know what you're thinking. Transylvania, Dracula, vampire, bloodsucker, economist. It all makes sense. He and his wife Dinah, who'd immigrated from Poland, had a series of general stores around New South Wales country towns and a boat the wandering Jew that delivered produce along the New South Wales rivers. Their son, my grandfather, Kopal Harkovitz, changed our name to Harcourt so he could get into the Bondi Iceberg Surf Club. He always said he went from the Goldbergs to the Icebergs. On my first trip to Israel, I lived on a kibbutz, Ramat Yochanan, near Haifa, working as a volunteer for six months whilst researching a paper on the economics of the kibbutz movement for graduate school. One thing was noticeable when I was on the kibbutz. Whilst I often picked avocados and mangoes with my fellow volunteers, there was also a plastics factory called Powerum, which was a very successful global enterprise. Now, my grandfather Harkovitz, who became Harcourt, was a leather merchant, and plastics were not kosher in our house as they'd put the leather industry out of business. I was curious to know how a socialist kibbutz could create a successful capitalist global enterprise like Powerham. One thing I noticed is that they had offices in Australia and New Zealand so far from Israel. Why? Because Israel is one of the few countries in the world who can't trade with its neighbours. Hence Powerham's need to trade with Australia and since with Latin America, Asia and Europe. Some 20 years later, I returned to Israel to Tel Aviv to work on a trade project between the Israeli and the Australian government. I'd also worked closely with the Histadrut, the Israeli trade unions, when I was at the Australian Council of Trade Unions, the ACTU. On that last visit, my kibbutz observations came home to roost as I was touring an enormous Israeli defence facility. It dawned on me that Israel's strange position of not being able to trade with their neighbours was in fact a blessing in disguise. The trade isolation means they've had to be very adaptable and innovative and, as a result, create great linkages with universities, venture capital and have a thriving start-up scene. Israel has also made amazing technological advances in agriculture, water management, research and development, despite what most see as a very inhospitable environment in the middle of the desert. In short, succeeding against the odds, that's what Israel means to me. Joining me now is Tanya Oziel, Chief Executive of the Trans-Tasman Business Circle, the Singapore Business Circle and Founder and Managing Director of Sports Connect. In a past life, Tanya also spent 10 years as CEO of the Australia-Israel Chamber of Commerce. 
Tanya, welcome. Thanks, Tim. It's good to be here. Now, you've led many business missions to Israel. What's the thing that people are surprised about when they go there? I think Israel is unique because it takes you back in time. When we usually start our delegations, we really take you to the beginning of the story of Israel and we start at the Dead Sea and we take you right through to a journey of, you know, the ancient Jerusalem, the ancient Israel. And then I think the most surprising thing for people is how this country that is one of the oldest in the world is actually now one of the most leading innovation hubs on the planet. And to think that's been done in 70 years, I think, is what really captivates a business traveller. Now, when modern Israel was established as a state in 1948, it was an Australian accent that announced it because Dr Revit, our foreign minister, was president of the United Nations who helped found the state of Israel. Has that been something that's continued between Australia and Israel in terms of the economic and, and business relationship over the 70 years? I think you can even go further than that and say that the two countries are in love with each other and they've had a beautiful history, pre-48, of course. The uh, Battle of Besheva in 1917 was one of the most significant parts of both our histories, Australia and Israel, and I think that has created the strongest bond between our two countries ever. So you've been going to Israel for 25 years or so. What do you think the big ties are now between Australia and Israel? I think if we look now, defence is huge, cybersecurity, massive, agriculture, a lot of Israeli agri-tech in Australia, water technologies. But one of the most exciting things that I was part of when I started working in the Australia-Israel space was actually the cherry tomato. So we took uh, Reg Clares and we took a lot of the old Woolworths exec uh, team headed by Paul Simon, actually. That was one of our first delegations to Israel. And Woolworths bought the technology for the cherry tomato. So... um, A lot of what you see on the Woolworth shelves today are still Israeli technology. The other big, big piece of, uh, I think, the relationship is um, viticulture. So you may know about the drip irrigation that came out of Israel. Well, say maybe I think about 20 years ago, we didn't have such a great wine industry in this country and uh, Israeli technology was brought in and it's actually made a huge difference. And I think if my statistics are right... About 95% of the viticulture industry in this country is drip irrigated by Israeli technology. Even Shabbat wine. Even Shabbat wine. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) It's an acquired taste. Um, Now, when you think about Israel now, what do you tell Australian businesses? You know, why is Israel a place to do business now? I think for a few reasons. On the cybersecurity front and the defence front, That is touching every single business, every single industry, every single government department. Israel has basically created the cybersecurity centre of the world in Beersheba. And for me personally, looking at that from outside in as an Australian who's connected to Israel, what an incredible story when our Anzacs went in and actually freed Beersheba from the Turks. It was the last great charge. And there were our Aussies and Kiwis, you know, creating history for us. And today Beersheba is now the cyber security centre of the world. So I would say Australians are looking at technology. Australians are looking also at the fast way Israelis go to market. And I think as a business partner, 
Israel has become a very inspirational market for Australian companies. And we see that a lot because we're actually taking so many delegations now who are actually going in to see Israel as its innovation ecosystem and trying to replicate or take bits of that to bring back to Australia. So this knowledge transfer is now a very big part of the relationship. So there's, there's knowledge transfer, there's venture capital, there's very strong ties with the universities. The University of New Correct. South Wales is yep. very strongly into Israel. Yep. And what other opportunities would it be? Agribusiness, agriculture, given Israel's yeah. famous... And digital health. I mean, the digital health space is very big as well for Israel um, in, and Australia. Uh, given that, you know, Australia's so huge, a lot of those technologies that can be brought into rural Australia and be used in that respect is very um, exciting. I would say one of our proudest moments of the for the circle has been taking the ASX into Israel. And I think that is a very, very exciting um, development. So uh, about three years ago, the ASX is a very close partner of the circles in, in uh, Australia, New Zealand and Singapore. We um, spoke to them about, you know, what about Israel? I think now in the last three years, there's about 17 Israeli companies now listed on the ASX and they're looking to the ASX as a, an alternative to NASDAQ for mid-cap market companies and um, that's just growing. And I have to say, under the leadership of Max Cunningham and um, his team, oh, this is very exciting space because they have really committed to Israel and if we're going to see more technology companies listed on the ASX out of Israel, that's great for Australia, it's great for the region and it's great for jobs. So it's basically looking at Israeli companies registering themselves here on the Correct. ASX. yep. How about the other way around? Do they do Australian companies list no. over there? Not, not generally. No, not generally, no. There's more, more coming yep. here. And Israel's got this reputation as being a start-up nation. Mm. Is that what you see when you take your missions over there with the circle? Yeah, it is. And now it's becoming actually the solution nation. So you're seeing a lot of companies um, going there to find the solutions to the issues that we're having here. So it's actually shifted even in the last 10 years where Israel was promoted as a startup nation, which it still is, um, it's now the solution nation. And, um, you know, for a small country that's been around for 70 years with swampland when, you know, the country got independence, there was no natural resources in that country. And when Ben-Gurion founded the State of Israel, his vision was to create a country that would create and solve the problems that the world was going to have. So his vision was unbelievable and we're actually living that legacy today. So there's a big part of Israel and a big saying in Israel which is called tikkun olam. And a lot of Israeli companies, this is their philosophy. And what does tikkun olam mean? It means heal the world. So a lot of the imperative for Israelis to innovate is to help heal the world through Israeli technologies and solutions. And that's the sort of stuff you will see in Israel that you don't see in any other part of the world because that's the soul of Israel and I suppose the philosophy of the Jewish people and um, the imperative of that country to make good change for the world. So when you think about Australia and Israel, they're both very dry places. How do they deal with water and looking at drought mitigation? So they're a leading expert in that field. Um, again, born out of an imperative in its own country, um, but a lot of those technologies are now being looked at by the world. 
I personally believe that if we are more forward thinking in this country, we should be bringing Israeli technology here so we can avoid the situation that we're in now with the drought. So actually there are a lot of technologies that could be solving Australia's drought problems, but we need to be proactive in it. Um, Israel's done some amazing case studies in the state of California, in South Africa, in a lot of the very arid parts of Africa. And um, if we brought some of that here and brought some of that know-how, I think we could be helping our farmers in a far greater way than we are now. And as you say, a lot of the land in Israel was desert. It was thought not to be able to be farmed at all, but Mm -hmm. yet the Israelis through irrigation have created an agricultural nation where they said it never could be done. Absolutely. And, um, you know, to take that even one step forward and to, uh, to, to go back to, you know, Prime Minister Ben-Gurion, when he looked at the state of Israel, he said 65% of this country is desert. We have to make this desert bloom because if 65% of this land is arid, we've got to do something with it. So, of course, the agri-tech started, water technology started, but then now bringing the cyber into Besheva, which is the capital of the desert. So Besheva is the capital of the Negev desert. And to bring technology into that space is so much forward thinking now what the Israeli government and the Israeli people do. And now you've created actually something out of nothing because no one lived in Besheva. But now you've created an entire industry that the world's looking at. You've got young families going there. You've got jobs. You've got universities moving there. You've got the Israeli Defence Forces and their whole uh, R&D centre for their cybersecurity that they need, which they call the fourth frontier, of course, and security out of Besheva. So it's, I suppose the spirit of making something out of nothing is how the Israelis have created what they've created. I even think about the University of New South Wales where I work, the computers, the mobile phones, the toilets flushing all the intellectual capital mm. couldn't be done without Israeli technology. You know, it's really influenced how we do know-how and research at UNSW. It's quite, and that's amazing. And, and you know, a lot of people don't know that. So a lot of people don't realise that, you know, most of their mobile phones are powered by some kind of Israeli technology that started in a startup in Israel. The startup nation, the solution, the startup the, solution nation. That's right. Now, if I'm an Australian business, what's the best way to get a foot in the door in Israel? Would it be through the Circle, the the Israel Trade Commission? Yep, absolutely. So there's a few partners. So, yes, the, so the Circle, um, myself uh, and uh, my business partner, Johnny Weiss, so we've been in the Israel space for over 25 years taking delegations, so we know it well, uh, very well, and we're passionate about the bilateral opportunities. So, of course, the first stop would be the Circle and we'd, we work very closely with the Israeli Trade Commission and we work with a lot of different partners in Israel as well. And one of our most important strategic partners is actually the Israel Trade Commission. They're based out of Sydney. Um, they do an incredible job in supporting the work of the Australia um, needs into Israel. They're based out of uh, Bono Junction and um, I must say, without their help, we couldn't do our work. So the public-private sector partnership that we've got with the Israel Trade Commission is very important to our work. And we've got Eric Goldberg in in Tel Aviv, of course. Yes, we do. So Austrade is also a very strong partner of the Circles. They're doing an incredible job. They're actually based out of Tel Aviv and they help us a lot when we're bringing the Australian delegations. They actually host many of our delegations, as does the Australian ambassador in Israel. Um, and I think... You know, taking iconic brands to Israel, like Telstra, which we've done 
on a few occasions and that's now a regular client of ours going to Israel and, and scouting technology and bringing it back here is really rewarding because to think that, you know, companies like Caltex and Telstra and the ASX and some of our brands that are really leading the charge here in an innovation space are getting their inspiration from Israel is satisfying. You know, 25 years doing this and seeing seeing the, the results is amazing. 25 years. 25 years wow. we've been doing Israel. Mazel tov. That's very good. <laughs> so what makes Israel unique? I mean, we know about security. Mm. Um, what are the, the other sectors that are really booming in Israel that are really suited to Australia? I think construction technology. That's a new part. That's a lot of startups coming in in that. Mobility, of course. The driverless, the whole future of driving. That's become a really big part of um, Israeli startup scene. And I think also sports technology has really taken off. If you look at, you know, three to four times a year, there's some really interesting things going on in the sport tech space that the world is coming to look at. And that could be fan engagement, stadium stuff, um, wearable items, etc. Now, tell me, what are some of the challenges doing business in Israel? I think sometimes the Israelis move too fast and the Australians, you know, are a bit, whoa, guys, come on, give us a break. We're not ready to move now. So the pace in Israel is like if you blink, you miss. And sometimes the Australians are a bit um, overwhelmed by that attitude. I think also the directness of how Israelis want to do business. It's like you're in, you're out. If not, the door's open to the next guy. So it's very transactional, um, even though Israelis love building long-term relationships. So if we look at companies like Checkpoint, um, who are a huge cyber company, they've been in Australia for many years. If you look at companies like Mobileye, which is the um, mobility company that was bought by Intel. Uh, that was a startup that was born out of the Hebrew University of Jerusalem and that's actually the technology for all the driverless cars. Uh, they've been in Australia for a long time. So there are a lot of companies that have built long-term relationships. But if you go to Israel, it's about exploring, deepening, you know, your, I suppose, the the insights that you want to get out of Israel and then building those relationships. Sometimes the Australians want to go at a slower pace, but most of the time I think the challenges are the challenges that we put up ourselves because the Israelis love the Aussies. They love doing business in this country. The I must say the flights are getting better. We are still waiting for Qantas for direct flights. You hear that, Mr Joyce? <laughs> but uh, even the connection times are even really good now. Cathay Pacific's flying there via Hong Kong. You've got uh, LL and Qantas doing a great code share. So it's easier to get to than it was, you know, years ago. So I wouldn't say many challenges, but, um, you know, language isn't even a challenge. <laughs> and then finally, what are some of the customs you need to know doing business in Israel? I mean, do you, do you go to Shabbat meals? How, how does that all work? You've had experience with yeah, missions. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so when we do take delegations, we like showing, you know, the real soul and essence of Israel. So Shabbat dinner is a beautiful thing to do and we actually include that in our program. We always include also, you know, Friday night down at the Western Wall, which is a fabulous thing to see. In Jerusalem? Um, in Jerusalem, yes, of course. And then I'd say customs um, from a business perspective, very casual. No ties, and it's very funny. We always brief the Israelis that we've told the Aussies they're not coming with ties, so don't wear a tie. So a lot of the time we've brought the Aussies and the Israelis are wearing a tie. But it's all <laughs> very casual. It's more of a startup nation than it ever was in that regard, that it's really like no suits, no formalities. 
And I think, you know, just in general, you will feel a lot of uh, the spirit of the Jewish people when you when you go to Israel because it surrounds you. You'll see a lot of patriotism there, very proud of their country. You have many, many different types of Jews and Arabs in Israel. And I think one of the most, you know, surprising things to a lot of travellers is how integrated the Arab and Jewish communities are in Israel. And it's a beautiful thing because so much of um, our cultures are similar. So if you're in Jaffa, you'll see, you know, half of Jaffa's are Arabs and it's beautiful to see that integration. Food is unbelievable. Nightlife is fabulous. Um, walks are fabulous. Bike riding. I mean, it's got so much to offer. And I think from a um, perspective of culture, you just get, absolutely overwhelmed with how much you can see in so little and how welcoming the Israelis are, both Arab and Jew. Well, thanks for your insights, Tanya, and I'm looking forward to going with you next year to Israel with the Airport Economist. So, Yes, can't look, wait to take you. So as we say, next year in Jerusalem. Shalom. Shalom. <laughs> Toda Rabah. Well, that's it for this edition of the Airport Economist. I hope you enjoyed listening and picked up a few useful tips along the way. The Airport Economist podcast series is produced by Liv Proud, audio production by Darcy Thompson, and executive producer is Jennifer Goggin. The Airport Economist is recorded at the studios of Podcast One Australia. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au, download the app, look us up on iTunes. And don't forget, there is also the Airport Economist TV series and book of the same name. You can find out more at our website, theairporteconomist.com, before you take off. Well, thanks for joining me. I look forward to our next business adventure together somewhere in the big wide world. I'm Tim Harcourt, and I'm The Airport Economist.